0: Awesome. Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm Orion. I got Peter here. We're going to talk some Bible today. We're on uh, episode 55 of this long-running podcast. It's, has it been a year yet? Has it been over a year? Since we've been doing this? Yeah. Oh, it's been much more has than it a year. Has been a yeah. year and a half? Has it been two? Has it been two? These are questions that someday we might Answer fifty-five um. episodes
1: though are uh, simple math. I
0: am not doing any this. Math.
1: This episode can get like the discount meals at IHOP. Excellent, or at least next episode because it's over fifty-five.
0: 50, is it fifty-five or over, or is it just over?
1: I ate at IHOP on Sunday. I need to. I need to know the rules. There was a fifty-five plus menu. Okay, fifty-five plus.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's fifty-five and up. Okay, good. I think. Right, I think fine. that's how they use it. Yep. Uh, what is it? So we got an email address. You can contact us, uh, podcast at more than We've got what? Uh, the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash more than hearers, the Instagram. That's the at more than hearers. And then there's the individual contacts. Uh, Peter's reachable at MTH underscore Peter. Do you ever get any hits on that? Anyone ever Never. All right, so hit hit that up. I'm at Orion Plays Music, I'm mostly using that to communicate to businesses that I disagree with their <laughs> shipping policies. Uh, Episode
1: a... one, dated June 5th, 2018. Okay, so three yes, years. Two years. Three. Two plus. Three. Three plus? I yeah. told you I'm not doing any math. You
0: can't make me. 2018 was three
1: years ago. La, 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 la. Uh,
0: rev- reviews. You can review us in your podcast app of choice. If you haven't already, you probably already have. At the time of my speaking this, you probably already have, listener. And uh, you can donate through PayPal if you'd like uh, to keep the hosting bills covered. We're just uh, pay- at PayPal. But it's like the podcast at com is the thing i'm not even reading much anymore i'm just saying these things that's why i'm getting i'm I'm gonna get better it's gonna be rough and then it's gonna get better as i memorize these things back in the groove we are in the book of acts still and uh my bible's open to seven so i hope that's where we are act seven
1: that's the plan yeah we're gonna uh
0: try and get through seven okay are you just playing on your phone, or are you in the Bible? I'm in the Bible, okay. but I was,
1: I was trying to reference
0: something else. Man, we had a we had a lively discussion before this, and uh, I feel like I, I'm like looking forward to this because I don't know how I can keep up with our discussion pre show. But and,
1: uh, yeah, if you didn't know, um, we have in the past once. Okay. Tried to have a like a, a secondary podcast to this, where we don't just talk Bible. Uh, it's it's uh, biblical application. <laughs> kind of like it's it, we we talked about some things that were happening in the world at the time that we recorded that one episode, uh, but from a uh, certainly from a biblical worldview, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, always. And so uh, we were bouncing some of that stuff off. We may stay tuned. Keep listening to More Than Hearers and see if maybe you'll find out about other things related. Um, Yeah, you know, it's been one of the challenges, at least for me, I know Ryan and I have talked about this several times over the three plus years we've been doing More Than Hearers now, um, that we committed early on when we formed this concept and and sort of put this podcast together that we were just going to work out of the Bible and, you know, call it a Bible study or uh, just a verse-by-verse analysis of Scripture, whatever you want to call it, that that's what we were going to stick to. But then at the same time, uh, you, listener, live in the real world where real things are happening and, and real circumstances come up, and how does the Bible relate to those things And that's the truth for both of us as well. We don't live in a vacuum. Believe it or not, we don't live inside of your podcast app of choice. Uh, uh, When we're not recording, we both have jobs and families and all sorts of other things that we do. And so a lot of times, Orion and I will talk about either current events or even just things that are going on around us um, in our churches or whatever. We go to the same church. Um, In our church or uh, in the lives of people around us and what does the Bible say and what is what do we think is true.
0: How um, then should we live?
1: Right. Yeah, that's great. Because we should be more than just hearers uh-huh. uh, right. of Scripture. Yep. Uh, we should also we be doers of yep. the Word. Yes. That's the whole premise behind this thing. And so uh, we had some great conversation uh, pre-show uh, that usually we refer to as show prep, but we about, didn't talk about Acts yeah. seven whatsoever this time. So Acts seven really is a continuation of the closing of six. Uh, if you listen to the previous episode, Acts chapter six, the choosing of the seven deacons is what they were referred to periodically, and then early uh, early on in the chapter was that. The second half of the chapter was. That Stephen got snatched up. Stephen, one of the seven, um, they produced false witnesses and they tried to accuse him and all these sort of things. And that's where Acts chapter seven, starting in verse one, we pick up. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? We know they weren't because the previous chapter tells us they were false. But Stephen replies, starting in verse two, I'm just going to warn you right now, listener, a lot of reading here because this is a big, long speech. Orion's going to interrupt periodically, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I may have some things to say along the way, but the next 49 verses. 49 minutes. <laughs> verses, I read fast, are essentially Stephen's Cliff Notes of the history of the nation of Israel and how that relates to Jesus. So to this, he replied, This I'll is verse two. Up. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The glory of God appeared to our father Abraham. The God of glory sorry, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in, I want to call it Haran, but it might be Haran, H-A-R-R-A-N. Quote, leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. That's Genesis 12, 1, if you want to find it later. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. Haran. Can we make a decision? Uh, Haran. Haran. Fine. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land even though at that time Abraham had no child. You can find all this in Genesis, by the way. God spoke to him in this way. For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own. They'll be enslaved and mistreated, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. God said, and afterward, they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. That's Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac, circumcised him eight days after his birth, and later Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him, rescued him from all his troubles, and he gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. And on their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. And after this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. Verse 15, then Jacob went down to Egypt where he and our ancestors died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drove near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. That's Exodus eight. by the way, a direct quote. Verse 19, he dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. And when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. How did I never see that before? Yeah,
0: I was wondering that myself. That's, the, that's new to me.
1: The same. Because Moses is the guy who goes, I'm, I'm not so powerful in the speech.
0: Yeah, that's what I think of him as, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, I don't know what it means, but it's there. Maybe
0: Stephen was uh, elaborating on the story a little. Or he's just talking about his effectiveness <sighs> mm. After the fact. Also, doesn't this seem like filibustering? Because he was asked a question a while ago.
1: (laughs) If I'm ever in a situation where I need to filibuster, I'm reading Acts chapter 7. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Verse 25, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you're brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you uh, ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Uh, there's a reference here, and I gotta find it. Sorry, Exodus two fourteen. Would there. you taunt the guy that had just killed a guy yesterday? I probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but he's already mistreating somebody else. Maybe this he's is bigger? the cruising
0: for a bruising we we know about, right? Like it's trash talking for sure. But if but if you're if anyone's gonna get it, it's the guy that that just made fun of the guy who gave it to somebody else yesterday. I feel yeah, like. that's fair. I mean, like this is me. When
1: Moses twenty nine, when Moses heard this. He fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After another 40 years, it doesn't say another, but I think it's worth noting. Moses was 40 when he uh, killed the Egyptian. Now he had another 40 years, so Moses is 80. An angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. And when he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Exodus 3, 6. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. Uh, Some excerpts of Exodus 3, uh, 5, 7, 8, and 10, by the way. In this, uh, this is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, "Who made you ruler and judge?" He was sent to be their ruler and delivered by God Im- and deliverer by God Himself through the angel who had appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for forty years in the wilderness. Another forty years, forty, forty, and forty hundred and twenty. This is the Moses who told the Israelites. God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Deuteronomy 18.15, by the way. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. It's uh, Exodus 32 1. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf, Orion's favorite story in
0: the Old Testament. Talking about this in, on my lunch break with my wife. Today. Did you really? Just the madness of that whole thing. Uh, yeah. it, make, make us a calf that we can say, Thank you for getting us out of Egypt, golden calf that we just formed. It's like the most psychotic thing. It was in relation to. Uh, The flag being a living thing, actually. The U.S. (laughs) Code of Law says the American flag is a living thing. So,
1: If you go back and you look at Exodus 32, you'll see uh, the thing that Orion, I know, bumps up against, because we've talked about it before, is they give all their golden stuff to Aaron. Aaron goes to work and fashions this golden calf, puts it up on this pedestal, and they literally worship it and say, this is the God who led us up out of Egypt. Yep. It's crazy. It, it's the most bananas thing ever. Uh, it's go read it. If you don't believe us, go to Exodus, start in Exodus 32. It's in your Bible. See what you get. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. It's verse 41. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings? Forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel, you have taken up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your God, Raphon, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Uh, this is a quote from uh, Amos 5. It's 25 and 27, but in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. So that's why if you were to flip to Amos 5, it would probably read a little differently in your NIV or King
0: James or whatever you're in. But it's because those are translated from the Hebrew. Right. Language rather than the the Greek the, the Greek, which was translated from the, the
1: Hebrew right, and translations of translations always get a little yeah. weird, speaking of the Septuagint I, yeah. I'm gonna but we're we're almost done with uh Stephen's speech, but you know what really stands out to me, Orion, We talked about a little bit in the last episode how Stephen was just a dude hired to uh feed bread to old widows, yeah.
0: And this dude knows his Bible. He I was, I was, uh, this is, this would make a great speech if you wrote it. Right. But he's off the cuff. And, and
1: being his life's being threatened. Yeah. And they're like the stuff being said here true. And he's like, he doesn't even answer that question. He's just
0: spitting history so far. With
1: like solid biblical quotes just jammed in there. Yeah. It's, uh, it speaks to the importance of us knowing scripture.
0: I think, I think it does. Yeah,
1: I hadn't noticed that uh, before until we were sitting here reading through it again.
0: I was I was sort of taken by this uh you could call it a theme almost although I don't know if it's repeated enough to be such but the the making of the idol into a calf that they worship that that formed you know it says uh, they brought sacrifices to it and revelled in what their own hands had made and then God turned them uh, turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun the moon and the stars which he had made which are liter their Everything here being worshipped so far is lifeless. Like they're not even picking some animal oh, yeah. that actually has life that they could say like uh, the spirit of this being or whatever. Like they're honoring dead, dead matter.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I was just no. That's I don't
0: know. But it that stuck. It resonated.
1: If you go back to episode one if you've never listened to it before or if it's been some time because it was over 3 years ago that we recorded it Preach. we talk a little bit about christians worshiping uh, some symbols or being attached to some symbols we talked about like cross jewelry and that kind of thing mm-hmm. people getting stuck on it it's a it's a thing we do i don't know what that is like but nobody's worshiping
0: their cross Necklace. They, right? they give the it word, some sort we of years.
1: power or significance that doesn't belong to it.
0: It's a lucky charm. Oh, is that bad? <laughs> I should I not have said that? You
1: make it sound like they found it in a box of cereal. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, hearts,
0: green clovers.
1: <laughs> Blue stars, yellow moons. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've heard one of those commercials. Uh, yeah, we get stuck there for a minute. Uh, verse 44. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor, asking that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob." But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the most high does not live in houses made by human hands. Ooh, that's right there, isn't it? As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where where will be my resting or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? It's Isaiah sixty six one and two. You stiff necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there never a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given the uh, given through angels, but have not obeyed it.
0: That's where he ends, huh? He closes it.
1: I'd love—it's just a mic drop moment, but I don't know that that's totally what happened. Uh, verse 54, when the uh, members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looking up looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. There's a part of me— like, I'm a visual thinker, Orion. I'm
0: tripping on this visual, actually.
1: So I see it. Like, uh-huh. I see him do it. I'm like, shh, dude, they're going to kill you. Like, just, you've said enough. Shut up. You you called the murderers. You, you said they've rejected the law. You probably shouldn't tell them you see Jesus standing at the right hand of God.
0: Peter did a lot of this this same stuff in Acts Two, I think it was, right? Or is it three? Three and four, yeah. Okay, where he, like, shreds everybody. Yes. And then he's like, yeah, and then you, this Jesus whom you crucified. Uh, but they didn't kill him at that. I mean, he had he was out. Uh, he outnumbered them. He, he did have a lame a little, dude dancing around. His posse was, I think, like a little, like, the, I don't know if they're packing, but, like, there are a lot of guys there, like, that... But here it's Stephen's in kind of their territories and their turf.
1: Right. That argue, that whole discussion that happened with Peter like Acts three and four came out of that they were entering the temple, the lame guy, and Peter yanks him up off his oh, mat, right. the guy goes running and dancing into sure. the temple courts. That guy's dancing around while Peter's calling them out. Okay. So yeah. there was it had caused enough of a scene that had they killed Peter right there, it'd have been like he just yanked the dude off his mat. Like in this case, they pulled Stephen aside and had sort of a trial with a bunch of false witnesses and, and whatnot. And how cool that he
0: still, though outnumbered, though like, very much in their, like, they're in, they're in control physically, right? Right. They're owning the room physically. And he's like, that didn't mean nothing to me.
1: And it comes back to that other passage we talked about where uh, Peter and John leave, excited, grateful that they were counted worthy to be be punished for the cross. Like (laughs) I still don't like, I get it on paper, but I don't get it. Mm. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Spoiler alert. We're going to hear more about him later. When they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, are you ready?
0: Hmm.
1: He fell asleep. Boring. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know what I expected <laughs> you to say, <laughs> I, but I, that um, was so good. That, weird... that uh, We're going to end on that because that's the end of the chapter, and it went way quicker than I thought it would. Well, we're not done. We're not done.
0: I mean, I mean, we're done reading.
1: Yeah. There's, a, there's an important theological note here um, in this final statement that it says that uh, w- when he was done, or when he had said this, he fell asleep. This was the uh, stance the church took on the physical death of a believer. See, like, you, what did you say? It was the stance they took. It was their view of it, because how could Jesus preach eternal life?
0: And then we say that someone died, but they—how could they be dead if they have eternal life? But they die in the same manner physically as unbelievers, yes, that who do not possess eternal life. So I think it was very—I think it was very clearly meant to be a metaphor. Right. That's—that's what I mean. mean, mean, Is that's why they shared it this way? Yeah. Okay. That's fine.
1: Because there's a phrase somewhere else where it's like, and this is why many. Paul says it uh, in one of his letters. He goes, "This is why many." It's in First Corinthians. So many among you have fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he means. They've yeah. They're
0: dead. Right. Yeah. their bodies are dead. Does this uh, Does this mean their souls go to sleep? No, <laughs> I didn't even want to dig. I didn't even well, I, want to dignify that, that with a that response. What we do? uh, I don't think so. Okay, you don't think we talk about soul sleep? Uh, We can talk about it if you want. I just, I don't. I think it's. I mean, it's it's there. I mean, there's a there's a discussion topic there.
1: What is soul sleep, Orion?
0: Soul sleep is the view that when you die, or uh, fall asleep here, fall asleep (laughs) in in this body, that your soul goes to sleep until some such a time as it would be judged or. Uh, or resurrected into eternity, that there is not a ever present, uh, ever presence <laughs> of of the yeah, relationship, the being present with God. Correct. Okay. and uh, there are denominations of Christianity. There are groups of people. There are probably individuals standing. At, Hello, computer. Uh, yeah, but some people, some people think th- some things don't make sense to me in, in the Bible. So what makes more sense to me is if I go to sleep and then I wait for this judgment to happen. And I'm not saying that's my perspective because right. I, I think uh, when you look at Revelation, for example, where the saints they are in, they're in heaven— and they're crying out for justice, which is just wild to me. Like I thought heaven was supposed to be all peaceful and all, but they, these saints are actually how How much longer are you going to wait? Go avenge us, God! Like what's up? But I mean, if that if we're to understand that as actual consciousness of saints as, who have passed before us, that. I mean, it, did they just wake up from the soul sleep and now they're like all tormented? I mean, what a nightmare that sounds like. I mean, the whole thing's kind of rough anyway. But I, I, think, the, I think the soul persists. I think, that, I think it's always awake.
1: Yeah, the, the concept of soul sleep comes from that. Uh, the, the passage that talks about when Christ comes at the second coming, it says the dead in Christ shall rise first and meet him in the air. And so it's that uh, that's where people base that off of is the those who have already died in Christ must be waiting somewhere for the eventual return of Christ and they have not been united with him already. Hmm. That's the that's the foundational premise behind the soul sleep Uh, theory. I think it's too bad. Theology? What's the right word? I don't call it a
0: theology or a theory. But
1: then what stands in opposition to that sort of, is the parable that's not a parable. Oh. Or the parable that might not be a parable. I was just talking about this. Was it on here?
0: Um, Probably. I think we discussed it. Because it it was in... Oh, man. Now I don't know.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've been talking about it a lot lately. Jesus tells this story. Lazarus. The the rich man in Lazarus. Jesus never says, I shall tell you a parable. Right. The writers of the Gospels that share this account don't go, Jesus spoke to them. In a parable saying it's just Jesus goes there was a rich man and a guy named Lazarus not the same Lazarus who was raised from the dead at Bethany just another guy named Larry (laughs) I know I I called him Larry when I shared this recently and I I ruffled a couple of feathers I think it was a Wednesday night group I was teaching but I don't know anyway uh, rich man's got everything he wants Lazarus has nothing Lazarus wishes uh, he could get crumbs from the rich man's table can't even get that sores everywhere dogs
0: lick him they both die yeah, he wants a wet finger on his tongue. Wait, it's a, no,
1: you're ahead of the game. Oh, I'm sorry. They die. It says that Lazarus is gathered to Abraham's bosom. Oh, that's right. That was Lazarus. Right? And the rich man goes uh, to not Abraham's bosom. Yes. Yeah. And Wherever that is. And the rich man sees uh, Lazarus, and I think it's Abraham, but it might be Moses, but I think it's Abraham. I think it's Abraham. And he goes, oh, Abraham, could you do me a favor? It's like wicked hot down here. Could you have... <laughs> Lazarus dip his finger in water and just touch my tongue. And and Abraham's like, no. I'm not going to do that. He says the the expanse is too far. Right. For us to come to you or for you to come to us. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about this whole account of is it a parable? Is it not? Is there an expanse? It doesn't seem like Lazarus could see the rich man, but the rich man could see him. But the rich man could certainly see and communicate with Abraham, but not with Lazarus himself. And what does that all mean? And if that is a, an account and not a parable, that would insinuate that at the moment of death, we're gathered to the presence of God. But that's all described in a Jewish context of those who died and lived under the law. Okay. So in Christ do our souls go to sleep? We don't. I don't think we don't so. Know, but we, I I I, I don't think we, yeah. so. To
0: be absent with the body is to be present with the Father. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning. That, you, you got to pick. You, you don't have to pick a side on this because at some point you're going to find out, and, and it, by, by the time you do, it won't matter. But I like to think that uh, there is no separation between Jesus and myself uh, from here forward.
1: And I will give you my quick including unconsciousness stance on this or where I pull from scripture to support Is that the right. Okay. Cause
0: I also, I have played the scriptural <laughs> basis
1: for why I think when we cease to be physically, we're in the presence of God and there's no time that elapses. You've heard me talk about this before. Oh, Sure. Because where I stand is that God exists outside of time. Time was a creation of God's. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth is void and without form. The Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. There was light. And then God separated the morning and the evening, the first day. But God existed before the first day. Mm. God existed before time. Time was a part of creation Towards the creation of humanity,
0: uh, no. I mean, maybe. I mean, fine. Why not? Because because the day that he's referring to is is defined by the light. I mean, it's the what what we see a day as the the uh, rotation. The Bible
1: says, "Yeah, the the, the, the morning and the evening." Right. Yeah.
0: That's how we define day. Yeah. And time, like time, could have been going on forever. But from our perspective, the first day of creation, because like because this stuff, this creation didn't happen the moment God came into being, because there is no point in in which God came into being. So it's just for all we need to know, it was the first day. That's how I understand.
1: Yeah, it. that that whole and this is important. I think and we're deviating real far from Acts seven, but I think it's important to say. Genesis one one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is not at the beginning of God. Right. It's at the beginning of anything having to do with us. Yep. In the beginning of anything God wants us to know about. That's that's what I think. In our beginning. I didn't know it. That's what I think. Right. In our beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For all you care, in the beginning. Was there another (laughs) one before this? Perhaps. Oh, wow. There are believers who uh, maybe believe in extraterrestrial life. And go, uh, and then there are, not believer, there are believers who go, ah, oh, there's no such thing as aliens, because the Bible doesn't talk about them. And the pushback from believers who believe in aliens go, maybe God didn't feel like we needed to know.
0: Yeah, it doesn't.
1: It doesn't matter. I, I can't answer the aliens question for you yeah. in regards to Scripture. Scripture doesn't address it. But that in opinion. the beginning in Genesis 1-1 is in the beginning of anything that matters as far as
0: God's relationship with us. Okay, so then the other thing. I always have the other thing. I'm looking for it. Are you playing the oppositional advocate? Negative. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, this is, I think, the only example we have in the Bible of someone praying to Jesus. (gasps) What? I think this is the only one if someone has a correction for me where there may be another one, but I think this is the only one where Jesus is not present in bodily form with his uh, disciples. And Stephen, instead of praying to what it calls the glory of God in verse 55, with Jesus standing at the right hand of God, he prays to Jesus. And I think that's so awesome. Like as a as an advocate of Jesus' God, right, the divinity of Christ, this is a profound statement here that I think gets overlooked.